Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast, where we create conversation and community among real people about everyday issues. This is a place for you to hear truth, connect with others, and find answers to your questions. Here's your host, Alan Reed. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast. I'm Alan Reed, host of the show, and here with me today is Allie Woolard and David Bullard. Did you guys notice that your last names rhyme? All the time. Yeah. The Woolard and Bullard show. Bully bully. Yes. Uh, James is not with us today, uh, but we do have our good friend with us, Chris Coleman, who uh, will be especially helpful with today's topic. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself? Uh, Well, uh, as we deal with this topic today with doubt, it really hits home for me. Um, I actually grew up in a very non-Christian family, and uh, and we would have fell into the not just not a believer, but really the anti-Christian agnostic at best, all the way until I was a college student. And uh, it was during my college career that I came to know Christ and almost immediately went into ministry. And so now I've been doing ministry with college students for the last 20 years. And, uh, And through that time, it wasn't that... Uh, I just came to Christ and never struggled or had issues of doubt. I knew all the anti-Christian arguments that were out there. Yeah. And so uh, I just had this encounter with Jesus that I couldn't deny. Mm-hmm. And so I had to reconcile that given what yeah. I knew about these anti-Christian arguments. And uh, and then now working with college students for 20 years, um, it's I continually encounter these same conversations as uh, deconstruction becomes a thing that is more talked about in our culture, but yeah. Um, yeah. but really, that's not a new thing. Uh, we right. talk about it like it's this new trend in right. Christianity, mm-hmm. but that's not a new trend. That's been yeah. around for a long time. We should yeah. label it that. Right. Um, the enemy has been using the same strategy all the way since the Garden of Eden to yeah. get people to doubt God's word, mm-hmm. and deny God's word, and deify man and put man in God's place, yeah. uh, defining what is right and wrong. Um, but I uh, am now on staff with the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Uh, we have what's called Baptist Collegiate Ministries on yeah. 35 campuses in the state of Arkansas, and I uh, help to oversee those and provide support for those campus ministers as they reach students on campus and then uh, work with a conference that just happened this past week, the Lead Defend Conference, which is on leadership and apologetics, giving yeah. uh, reasons for the faith that's within us. Well, thank you for what you do. I was telling you before the podcast, my son loves the Lead Defend Conference uh, this year, I guess this last weekend was his favorite out of the last three that he's gone to. And um, yeah, and then God called me into ministry out of collegiate ministry. And uh, yeah, so out of what you do. So thank you for doing that. As Chris has alluded to, our series is on doubts and deconstruction. And I think most of us are aware and have experienced doubts in some level or another. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. Um, but sometimes uh, doubts, uh, that, that word can be a dirty word in, in the Christian culture and everything. And it can be overwhelming. I remember in college, by the time that you were coming to Christ, I was kind of questioning what I was being brought up in. And so that can be an overwhelming thing. So we're going to talk about that today. But then also in this series, we're going to talk about a movement, even though it has been around for a long time, it's been labeled something within the last 10 or 15 years or so called deconstruction. It's been more familiarized lately with a lot of high, um, I guess it's high profile Christians that have fallen away from the faith and that have talked about deconstructing. And so some of you may not be aware of that unless you have kids. Kids that are that are about that age in college or a little bit older, uh, but I think we can all identify with struggles and doubts, uh, or we know someone that has. And so we're going to be talking about that today. But before we get started with that, I thought it would be fun to play a little game that I call "I Doubt It." 
I just, I doubt it. <laughs> and um, it's, it goes like this. You need to tell us two truths about yourself and one untruth. So this is very similar to two truths and a lie. We're literally the same. <laughs> exact, exact rip okay. off. It's the same. It's the same game. But since we're we're talking about doubt, we're calling it I doubt it. So so after everyone gives their three statements, then we each get an opportunity to say, I doubt in whichever one that you think do is. Do you want to do truth. individual? I don't know if I'll be able to remember everybody's after we go. Oh yeah, through. we gotta go. We'll, we gotta we'll go, you know, we'll go one at a time, okay, but we'll okay, individually cool. say I doubt I this one. Start yeah. to sweat a little bit there. Yeah. You'll, it'll be okay. We'll, we'll get through this. So it's we're gonna good. we're gonna start with ladies first Ooh, and then we'll We'll go to our guests. So, um, so Ali, how about you go first? Share with us your three statements, and we will guess which one is the untruth. Okay. Statement number one: I have never read the Harry Potter book series. Mm. Statement number two: I have lived in over ten homes in Northwest Arkansas. Statement number three: I trained with a golf professional in high school, and that's how I got my scholarship to play golf in college. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> David knows me well, and that was I my do. goal is to like get him. There's two in there that I'm like, they can be the ones that are doubtful. I'm gonna personally, I'm gonna say I doubt the last statement. Okay, don't say anything yet. Don't say anything yet. Which one do you? I think, think I doubt the ten houses in Northwest Arkansas. One. I doubt that one as well. That's what oh, that's what I'm going with. Who knows? Final Allie answer. Best. You know, no, 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 no. I'm gonna change mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with the first one. Oh, I'm David! Gonna, I'm gonna go with the first one. You What's were the first right. One? Yes. No. Wait, you no. were right the first time. Dang it. <laughs> I did awesome. not train with a golf professional. I trained with a golf amateur. Oh, oh. my gosh. Semantics. Semantics. Got him. Oh wow. Yes, I have lived in good. over ten homes in North. You got it. No, because I know your mom and dad are realtors. Time. Yeah, so. but this was like long before. We just rented a lot of houses oh. when I was oh, thought that you're a golfer. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. We need to get a group going. Yeah, well, I need to practice a little bit. <laughs> yeah, go back out to the uh... golf. Never heard of her. <laughs> All right, Chris, it's your turn. All right, so I made mine a little difficult. I tied them together. Some oh, boy. Um, I spent my childhood in other countries. Okay. I'm multilingual. I've been detained by more than one foreign government. Ooh. Oh, I believe the third one. <laughs> I want to believe all of them. And this is yeah. going to be hard. For some reason, I just think if Chris took off his shirt and like showed his back, he'd Excuse have like, scars me? Well, on it. It's not that kind of podcast. Like scars. <laughs> <laughs> no, like the military. Okay, Nobody okay. wants to see that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> we, won't, we won't have you do that on this show, but... Uh, Anyways, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go with the multilingual. I'm gonna say that one. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, I believe that he's been to multiple countries, but no, but I don't know. the you way he said, you so said you were raised in multiple countries, spent my childhood in other countries, nope. in other countries. I doubt he's Pretty, multilingual. Yep. I'm Wait, I don't know. The All you have to do is know so one other language to be multilingual. I'm going with one that you um, grew up in multiple countries. That's correct. No, actually, I'd never even seen the ocean in our home country (gasps) until I was an adult. And then I've traveled to 50 plus countries since then. Look at you. Do you have any scars on your back? Any (laughs) any wounds? Any battle wounds? Why are you so fascinating? (laughs) I'm just curious, you know. Weirdo. He's a war, you know, hero. So I just thought maybe. How about you go next? I'll be last. Okay. Mine's lame (laughs) because I was very stressed about figuring this out. Because all my good ones I've already talked about on this podcast, yep. mm-hmm. except for Chris. Chris doesn't know all my history, but 
um, if he did? Because I really wanted to bit like one time topic of Hollywood gossip or something like that, and we all know that that <laughs> know is true. true. Um, anyways, this are this these are my statements. I once ran for student class president in second grade and won. I once got stuck on an island while fishing. And I once played a show on the lawn of Old Main at the University of Arkansas. Oh, Which I one highly doubt number one. By island, do you mean sandbar? No, I mean an island. Okay. I'm going with the first one. The first one you ran for president, and the second one was the island, and yep. the third one was? Show on Old Main Lawn. What on Old Main Lawn? Played a show. A play show. Yeah, guitar. Okay. Music. Stuck on an you island. Know. You're going I'll stuck go on st- an island? I doubt it. The first one is incorrect. I, oh. I've i never run for student class body no so whatsoever. <laughs> I was going to say uh, and lost, and mm-hmm. it would have been even better because then you probably would have thought that was true, but I've never ran for student government in my entire life. Mm. I knew the island was true. Yeah, I, I got stuck on an island. The water came up way too fast, and I wasn't paying attention, <laughs> so I got stuck on an island. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, here's mine. Um, No, you can see them all because they won't tell you anything. Um, One, I was born in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Two, I lived in three countries and five states throughout my lifetime. And three, uh, the longest being eight and a half years in Colorado. Hmm. Which one? Whoa. I could see you going with like the semantics thing where I, I lived in five different countries in six different states kind of thing. Yep. Um, man, I'm going to go with the last one. I feel like I know you lived in Colorado long, but I don't think it was eight years. I feel like the other two are correct. Okay. What do you guys think? I'm also going to go with the Colorado one. Yep. I think it's a safe pick. I'm going to go number two just to be different. Wow. Thank you, Allie. You're welcome, Allie. Because you're the only one that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was Colorado. It was eight and a half years, but I had lived in Connecticut. I uh-huh. grew up in Connecticut, and I would live there longer. See, so, uh, I know you I was too born well. in Pine Bluff, lived here in the States, Canada, and South Korea, and then in five states. So, anyways. Sneaky, sneaky. Very interesting. Sneaky, we learned something sneaky. about one another. Very sneaky. Very good. Sneaky, that sneaky. Alan is way too interested in Chris's back. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what I learned. Yeah, later. Later you can tell me. <laughs> so uh, next week oh we gosh. are talking about deconstruction, and today we are talking about the topic of doubt. And uh, and so, you know, just listen to these verses right here, just to complicate things a little bit more, okay? Because we all know that uh, doubt, sometimes in the church, when we're at our worst, it can be a dirty word. We can respond to people struggling with doubt, not in a positive way. It doesn't always happen, but it does happen. We can equate it to falling away or backsliding or something like that. But listen to these verses. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, James 1, 6-7, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So so you kind of got some verses that cloud the picture of, mm-hmm. of what it is. So, so the opening question is, how common is it uh, to have doubts as Christ followers? And is it wrong to have doubts about my faith? So what do you guys think? Mm. That, that's a deep <laughs> we just jumped right yeah, in. We're jumping we just jumped right in the pool. We didn't go on the kitty side. No. We jumped mm-hmm. in the deep end. I think it's extremely common to have doubts as a, a follower of Christ. 
one, because we're sinful people. Mm-hmm. So our tendency is to doubt what God has for us and the promises of God. Yep. So we tend to look to ourselves to fulfill those promises. And mm-hmm. we all know that we stink at yep. doing things, let right. alone being our own gods. And so I think having doubts in what God has called us to be and what his promises are, are very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know in my life I've, I've experienced a lot of doubts mm-hmm. throughout my Christian life. Yeah. I think it's safe to say if you think doubt is not common, you are probably in the minority. <laughs> like yeah. it's okay if you are struggling with something or questioning something. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But what about those verses? I mean, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important to note that mm-hmm. you know doubt is not the opposite of faith, uh, mm-hmm. or you know, and, and you got to separate doubt from unbelief. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Those are very different things. And I so, knew we had them on the show for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a common thing to doubt, and we see that mm-hmm. that example all through the Old Testament and on into the New Testament, uh, where yeah. you see people doubting and, and yeah. struggling with that doubt and it being. Uh, and I heard it worded by somebody uh, this way that um, doubt is not the opposite of faith, but is a component of how a faith is grown. Yeah, yeah. amen. And, uh, and I think that's a I've seen that play out in my own life as yeah. I've dealt with. I was thinking the years. same thing. I think my college years is probably like the first time that I really had a growth spurt. It wasn't that I wasn't growing from when I committed my life to Christ when I was nine, but man. When I hit those college years, I ran into some doubt because I was hearing things that either I didn't hear when I was in high school and when I was younger, or I just wasn't listening. And it was probably I wasn't listening, to be honest. I'm sure our, my you know youth pastor was teaching us a lot of good stuff, and I probably heard half of it or not even. Uh, but it but it really threw me back. And I can remember a couple of times hearing things like the Bible contradicts itself or something like that, and just this over overwhelming kind of sinking feeling oh my goodness I found something that you know it's just going to shatter my faith but every time uh, it kind of drove me to the scripture and uh, so after about the fourth or fifth time that happened I wasn't so worried as like there's probably a good answer to this and it would just drive me to God's word so that's good yeah so it's common right it's not wrong to, uh, to doubt our faith. So that's good. Can you guys uh, think of any examples? You were alluding to some examples in scripture. What are some examples we have in scripture, people that struggled with their faith? I mean, you look in Psalms, they, David doubted God in a lot of times, you know, like he's like, where are you? I'm at my mm-hmm. lowest and you're just letting this happen. Where are you? Yeah. And he's doubting the fact that God is there and protecting him. But then in a chapter later, he's like, I praise you. So like all through the dark times and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's very angsty. He's like an angsty teen for Mm -hmm. sure. But that's like such a natural reaction too. I feel like it's like going through this phase of doubt, really struggling with it. And then like immediately we're reminded like, yes, Mm -hmm. God is good. He's got this under control. And then we come back to our senses in a biblical perspective and we're like, oh yes, thank you, Lord. (laughs) So it's just like a natural you know, reaction to our doubt it should be the natural reaction to our doubt. Correct. Unfortunately, yeah. it always isn't yeah. that way. But. Yeah. But all through the Old Testament, I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Job. I mean, he yeah. had plenty of reason. Yeah. <laughs> to right. it, but, yeah. but he doubted. He got Moses when God's calling him at the burning bush, and he says, yeah. "Who am I to speak to these people? I, yeah. I stutter." Mm-hmm. And God responds with, "Well, who made man's mouth?" <laughs> and yeah. you know, and so, yeah. uh, and then later on with the the striking of the rock, rather than speaking to the rock, instance mm-hmm. where we have a doubt in what it is that yeah. God had said to him, and so. 
Uh, I remember when I first came to Christ, uh, I didn't grow up in the church. And so I come to Christ, and a month and a half later, I'm in a missions training organization. So wow. I'm just learning there's a new and an old testament. Yeah. Wow. And so I know nothing about the Bible. Yeah. And uh, and I remember all these teachers making these assumptions in class that, like, you know all these Bible stories, mm. but I didn't know any of them. Yeah. And so I went over in the middle of the night and would just sit in this field with Bible and a flashlight reading. Well, no one told me where to start, so I just started, mm. you know, in the beginning. Yeah. And so, uh, so I remember getting to Exodus and reading, and I'm like, I knew enough about world history to know God has just toppled the largest empire on earth in front of these people. And yep. it seems like five minutes later, it's like, oh, we're going to die in the desert. You yeah. know? And right. I remember thinking, yeah. like, this is the dumbest people in the history yep. of the universe <laughs> right here. And, yeah. and only for later on, God to say, well, yeah, you keep saying that, but you do the same thing. I just mm-hmm. yeah. rescued you from a multi-generational family of addicts. And now here you are a few months later, yeah. you know, trying to go overseas for the first time. You're doubting I'm going to provide for you. Yeah. You're doubting I'm going to keep you safe. You're doubting that these things. And mm-hmm. so we see this all through the Old Testament where yeah. it plays out. And, and that's what's beautiful about the Bible. I mean, it's just story after story of humanity, one being loved and pursued by God, pursued into a relationship with the nation of, well, with Abraham, and even before that with Adam, and then uh, with an early nation. And it was just a very imperfect relationship on our end. Uh, And God, through his patience and uh, and through his leadership, teaching us about his holiness and all those things. And we're kind of studying that in in life groups right now as well and kind of reinforcing all this. But that's the encouraging thing about Scripture. It does not paint this beautiful, perfect picture of of people who love God and uh, and who don't make any mistakes, but it it really emphasizes the frailty of men. I'd submit that a lot of the people that we label as quote-unquote biblical heroes, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have that title not because they had faith without doubt. It was yeah. because they had faith with doubts mm-hmm. in yeah. the midst of that, and, and yet they still moved forward and were still obedient most of the time yeah. <laughs> in these ways. And yeah. So. so if you're out there and you're listening to this, you ran across it, and you're struggling with doubt, um, you don't have to question your faith. I mean, there is an aspect where maybe you could or should, but but just having doubt in your life and struggling with that doesn't doesn't mean that. It just means that there are some areas that you have unanswered. And and for most of us, especially as we're growing up and maturing in our faith, there's lots of things that we don't have answered. And I know in my own life, I've been in ministry for almost 30 years. I'm almost 50 years old, and there are still times where something comes up and I don't have the answer. And sometimes God's word doesn't have the answer for everything. There's a mystery uh, that can be there as well. And we want answers to something, but we don't always get it uh, or not in the way that we want it to. And so, um, so that's, that's more reassuring. Particular the timing that we want it to. Yeah. Is, or the timing. Yeah. So, so we're, these are similar questions with a little bit different nuances. So, so faith and doubt, they can coexist and they can coexist in the same person. So we can have faith and doubt at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you were alluding to one example of that, Chris, before we got started. We were talking about the guy who was bringing his son for healing. Yeah, in Mark chapter 9. Yeah, know. and what did he say? He's, he said to he Jesus, said, I believe, help me with my unbelief, which seemed like two contradictory statements, one after mm-hmm. another. But yeah. it's like, hey, I believe. But help me in the areas where I struggle with doubt and have unbelief in yeah. those circumstances. I believed enough to bring my son here before you, and I'm, I'm asking with boldness, but yet I'm still struggling, but hopeful. Um, yeah, pretty powerful image right there uh, in that. And so faith, you, and you said this, Chris, faith is not the absence of doubt. 
they're they're not necessarily polar opposites at all. So so good job. That's good. So here here's well, kind another, of another thing I'd say with yeah. that is the opposite of faith is unfaithfulness or faithlessness. Mm-hmm. And you know I can be engaged to somebody mm-hmm. and have doubts about my decision I'm making, and yet still remain faithful to that person. I'm not being unfaithful to my future spouse just because yeah. I have a doubt going into it or get cold feet for a moment. Yeah. And that's that's just a, an example of where really these two things can coexist, mm-hmm. where you have doubt, yet you you are moving forward with a commitment and in, mm-hmm. and in a covenant relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, uh, can you guys think of a time in your own life, a season where you – where you had doubts, and if so, what what type of doubts were they? Were they bigger picture of does God really exist, or were they kind of microcosm doubts of is what I'm believing, you know, in this aspect? Am I interpreting this correctly? What what have you guys struggled with in the past as Christ followers? I think for me, um, I have I've lost several family members at this point in my life, and my family unit is probably. Um, the strongest group of believers within our larger picture of family. And so um, not often knowing where someone stands in their relationship with Christ um, and then losing them, mm-hmm. having those doubts that come in and will I see them again? Yeah. Um, I never got to meet my, I take it back. I got to meet my grandma. I don't remember much of her. Um, she was from Ireland and she died when I was two. So Ireland, a very different culture, um, and just the way that they believe. And so my mom has the assurance that she will see her mom again. Um, and I have to trust that my mom is right in that, but I didn't, I didn't get to know my grandma. Um, so I think some of those things just coming in and, and I know that once you're saved, you're there, but just some of those doubts come in of, will I actually see this person again is, is what I'm reading in the Bible legitimate and mm-hmm. the way that I'm understanding it. Yeah. yeah. And that's been a hard one for me because that is a very close and, personal thing and, and it's selfish in the same way so. yeah. i recommend a resource along those lines yep. uh, randy alcorn's book heaven if you haven't read that mm. fantastic uh resource to to look at if you're dealing with doubts or what 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 does heaven look like what's the biblical grounds for uh for the existence of heaven and mm-hmm. uh, and then quite frankly also the in the counter of that hell yeah. but uh but randy alcorn's book really covers that pretty well it's mm-hmm. called heaven just called heaven. Okay, awesome. I wrote that one down. That's good. Yeah, I think for me, I alluded to it in, co- in my college years. It was more of those things that I would run into that uh, I was fearful that my faith was going to be found weak or that it was just going to crumble. So a lot of it had to do with that. And so there was just an uneasiness because I knew that my faith was probably shallow. I didn't have a lot of answers to some of those questions that were beginning to uh, you know, percolate up in my mind a little bit. And so I was afraid I was going to run into something that was going to shatter my worldview. And literally I could, I would feel overwhelmed at times with that. I think in my older years, it's, it's not necessarily doubt, like when it comes to doubt about God, but I think, uh, as I've gotten older, I've been more purposeful to take a step back and assess my faith holistically and not necessarily about God, but more or less, you know, um, I've grown up believing this, but have I really unpacked it? And, and is my interpretation a correct interpretation? Mm-hmm. And that's always driven me back to God's word. And yeah. I've always found found it really reassuring. And sometimes it reaffirmed what I was brought up to believe. And sometimes it caused me to, to make an adjustment within my own um, belief on something within that. So any other examples you guys want to share? 
Well, I, I tell you one that I would deal with, and this may take us where we may be headed in this conversation anyway, but um, so I, I speak uh, multiple times a week sometimes uh, and mm-hmm. in front of varying audiences, and mm-hmm. here I am 22 years into that, and I still have yeah. uh, major issues with public speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I don't eat before I speak because mm-hmm. I might throw up <laughs> on the first row of yeah. folks there. And so, um, and good, so every time I'm about to go <laughs> in front of people. <laughs> yes, Ew. you're well within the splash zone. But every time that I go up in front of people, I, there's this, if you saw me or heard the dialogue that goes on mm-hmm. uh, in my head yeah. beforehand, I sound like David going like, Lord, I don't feel emotionally in this moment your presence mm-hmm. evident here, but I've got to trust that, yeah. that you're going to show up, you're going to speak through me, you're going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet, and, and this is where I think we have to really evaluate at what point does doubt move into a realm where it becomes something that is sin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, it's, it's, I'm constantly weighing on that particular question uh, yeah. every week when I'm going in front of people and I'm nervous and I'm doubting, is God going to show up? Is God going to work through me? Is God, yeah. you know, what, what's God want to do in and through this? And, and mm-hmm. how am I going to get myself out of the way enough for him to do something in this? Right. And, and so, um, so I deal with that on a regular basis, and um, and for me, it's it, it is it's that figuring out where is the line between mm. I'm doubting or now I'm getting to a place of really I'm walking in sin because right. I'm not trusting God yeah. uh, to show up and to do some work. Yeah, so. yeah. To piggyback off of that too, I feel like the most the, the the times that I doubt the most are like doubting in God's ability to one forgive me mm-hmm. and doubting his the power of his grace mm-hmm. and mercy. I feel like yeah. that is a big part of my uh struggles in life is like okay if God really knows who I am and my thoughts and how I am wired then why in the world would he choose to forgive me kind of mm-hmm. thing or give me mm-hmm. grace and doubt the fact that God's grace has the power to has already forgiven me through the sacrifice of Christ. And so like I find most of my doubts actually come from the times that I'm in a quote unquote spiritual desert where I'm mm. just feeling just dried up. Yeah. And that's where a lot of those doubts come in because I'm not feeding myself with God's word yeah. and knowing it and daily reading it in and kind of reminding myself daily that, you know, yes, these doubts are, are ways to lead us into uh, more faith. But a lot of the times I feel like what Chris was saying, like those doubts can lead into more sin. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. for me, a way I've had to kind of combat that uh, in my own mind is I'm, what am I looking towards uh, as some sort of evidence of God's presence there as I'm about to go do this thing that I'm nervous about, regardless mm-hmm. of what that thing is in your life. For me, it's public speaking. For you, it may be something else. Yeah. But what I'm learning as I just walk with Christ this last 20 years is it's to me, it's less and less about how I feel in a moment, yeah. but what I know to be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I know to be true is that God is faithful, and I know what His Word says about His nature and character. Mm-hmm. But more than that, you know, you look in the book of Revelation, it says, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Yeah. And so the word of their testimony, I can look back on journal entries where God has done one thing after another, providing for or delivering from circumstance or whatever, I can look back on those things now and go, okay, regardless of how I feel in this moment, I can see this in the past. I can see where God's done this, not just in the people of Israel, but in my own life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's an interesting question that uh, we didn't put down uh, within our list, but that's just the natural. Where is that line that you cross? I mean, for Asaph in Psalm 73, he was questioning the goodness of God because he was just seeing you know, the wicked flourishing and good people struggling. Um, but yet somewhere along the way, his complaining and him vocalizing his doubts, uh, it led him back to God, you know, but, you know, you have uh, all kinds of examples in scripture. But if you just think about Judas questioning God's leadership, questioning why in the world are we spending money on uh, on this, you know, this oil, you know, for Jesus and his feet when it could have been used for the poor and who knows what else was in his mind and everything else. But there there is a doubt that could lead us away. And it could just it could be obviously revealing our heart and where it already is the condition. Uh, we can grow up in church and have never truly uh, made a faith decision, you know, and, and those doubts creep in that lead us away. Um, but but I think for everybody that's listening today, our encouragement to you is if you're struggling and doubting, well, good, you're thinking, you know, you're not just assuming, let that drive you uh, to God's word and to him, you know, and if you're struggling in sin, uh, and maybe that's some of the beginning, because many times, not every time, but sometimes it's because of a sin area in our life. And it begins to put separation between us and God and those doubts creep in. And so if we're not doing business with God, that can be a danger zone as well. Any Anything else in that area that you guys want to share or, well, or add on to that? Doubt has kind of become one of those terms within Christendom that we look at as a character flaw or as something mm-hmm. to uh, be swept under the rug. All that, yeah, you know especially if you're in Christian leadership of some sort, you, know, yeah. you don't want to exhibit that, you know? And yeah. so, um, but the thing is, the more we suppress doubt within the, within the body, yeah. the more it festers. Yeah. And if we don't address it and we don't yeah. do the, the phrase I use often when dealing with college students is focus on the root, not the fruit. Mm-hmm. And so I'll see these fruit behaviors begin to come out in a student's life and I can address those behaviors and say, Hey, stop doing that. Or I can ask, well, why is that behavior coming out? What's the root of that? And often when we drill down to it, it's it's a doubt in who God is. It's a doubt in what their identity is in Christ. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, these behaviors are coming forth. Mm-hmm. And I, I would rather address it at that level rather than just addressing the behavior. Does that yeah. make sense, the difference yeah. between those two? Yeah, absolutely. That's good. I good even picture. think just like taking a step back from a biblical conversation, if we never ask questions about anything we would have gotten nowhere right. in just like human lifetime. You know, I mean, if nobody ever questioned what shape is the earth, we would mm-hmm. not know to this day, maybe. And right. so questions aren't That bad. it's flat, right? Yeah, it's flat. It's totally flat. <laughs> cool. just, it's uh, actually a box. It says oh, it on YouTube. Yeah. There's YouTube <laughs> videos. Cube. Yes. Prove that. <laughs> but I mean, That's actually a pastime of mine is yeah. I like watching conspiracy theory videos <laughs> yeah, just, I for, just for entertainment value because yeah, yeah, I, I believe it. them. Yeah, it's great. Bigfoot. Yeah, big birds aren't real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Government. Drones. <laughs> Where were we? Yeah, sorry. sorry. There's another thing to doubt too that I catch myself doing a lot and it's it's almost like deflecting it onto other people. So thinking, well, doubting, uh, which is thinking. So mm-hmm. I wasn't wrong in saying that, but doubting that that person can come into the fold of God. Yeah. I do that a lot. I project mm-hmm. that on other people, and um, which to me is a simple thing to do. Um, so I am very aware that that is a line I have crossed. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry if you're listening and I've done that to you. <laughs> good, good. Uh, so what um, you meet somebody who's struggling and they're, they're dealing with doubts, 
in, in a normal way, whether you're, let's just say that you're a teacher of a small group, uh, or whatever it is, and someone approaches you, what kind of advice would you give someone that were just like, you know, I, I'm struggling with a lot of doubts. Um, you know, what, what would be your approach and what would you tell them? I think there's, I mean, an obvious answer would be like, go read your Bible. Yeah, like that is our easy Christian answer. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it's true. Like yeah. that's that's where you need to go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of the doubts, not necessarily the interpretation of Scripture is, I mean, that's a whole nother argument and a discussion. But really, we just trust that the Holy Spirit will give us understanding. Mm-hmm. And then in that that moment where we, we are reading God's Word, He can reveal those doubts and maybe take away those doubts. Um, but I, it's hard for me just to say that because it feels like a cop out answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know any good practical ways of approaching that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I would be, I would love to hear what you guys have to think on that. Well, let me flesh that particular thought out with a passage. So in Psalm one, blessed is the man who does not take counsel from the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Mm-hmm. But it goes on and says, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Mm-hmm. So it really does come back to, I mean, God has yeah. put the totality of his character in this thing that we call the scriptures. Yeah. And um, so it does come back to meditating upon those things. Yeah. Uh, but it, there's another component on the front end of it, too, is that that first part of that uh, that passage Blessed is the man who does not take counsel from the wicked. And I think we got to be very careful in today's day and age because mm-hmm. uh, the idea is where are you being influenced from? Yes, where are you going to to find answers? That's just it. Google's not the best place to get your theology. I tell college students regularly. Yeah. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, it's think. where are you getting, what voices are you taking in? Yeah. And, uh, and it's not that we don't, I'll just be honest, like as someone who deals with apologetics all the time, I read skeptic forums on a regular basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... I didn't do that 20 years ago, right. and it's taken some time for me to get to a place in my faith where I understand, I know a lot of the arguments and counterarguments, and I can walk through that intelligibly. Um, mm. But it's even in the midst of that, I'll just be honest, there's times where I do see an occasional article where I'm like, huh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and then I study it out. But the thing is, there's a long enough track record for me now. Mm-hmm where I, I am rooted in the scripture enough because yeah. the last part or the next part of that uh, passage in Psalm 1 says, for he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields mm. its fruit in season yeah. and its leaf doesn't wither. And so I, it, as storms come, mm-hmm. my leaf's not going to wither because I, I'm rooted enough in, in the scriptures. I'm rooted enough in my identity in Christ yeah. that I can, I can spend some time reading those things and doing that. Uh, but again, a, just being careful where are you getting counsel from? Yeah, knowing your maturity level. I was having this conversation conversation with their young adults. We were talking about uh, sharing our faith and the importance of doing it. And um, and one of the things I said to them is like, look, you know, it's uh, the longer we're Christians, the the more we're surrounding ourselves with other Christians. And we, we tend to lose that connection uh, with uh, the rest of the world. And there's a good aspect of that, but then there's an unhealthy aspect. And what I I told them is, please don't go back to those old areas if you don't think you're mature enough to go back to those old areas. You have to assess where you are maturity-wise. And uh, the example I gave was a a young lady that came to Christ in Colorado that she grew up and uh, practiced Wicca for 16 years before she became a Christian. And then lo and behold, two years after her conversion, she's getting a call from uh, some leadership within that 
I don't know what you call it, but that branch, that faith movement. Branch Davidian. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and they were having a big festival. And, and they it's were inviting her to come back coven, and sing yeah. during it. Yeah. yeah. So she had this opportunity to go as a Christian into this Wicca festival and sing. And she goes, Alan, I could sing Christian songs. I could share whatever I want. Mm-hmm. It's a very open society. So I could even share about Jesus if I wanted to. She goes, what should I do? And I was like, you know, I just said to her, Marcy, I cannot answer that for you. Uh, if you feel like that God's calling you and you feel mature enough, you know, to do it, then it could be a great opportunity. But if you're not ready for that or mature enough, it could also be a bad thing for you. And she goes, I think I'm going to pray about it. She came back a week later and she decided not to do it. She goes, I don't think I'm ready to do that yet. It's a great opportunity. And I know that uh, God really wants me to. Uh, he'll he'll lead me again into that. And, and I, I thought, wow. Yeah, that that self-awareness is a huge part of how to conquer doubt because if you're not aware of your uh, inclinations, it's easy to fall back into yeah. a sinful doubt rather than a spiritual doubt. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as you, you struggle with that, um, it's, you know, self-awareness is a, a very good characteristic anywhere you you try to fix or not fix, but improve yourself. But even in the sign of spiritual doubt, I think self-awareness, because if you don't know, like you said, I mean, like Paul, when he first became a follower, a follower of Christ, he spent time away from the mission field to learn. Yeah. Like, and he didn't go right away to, you know, start churches all throughout. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, being self-aware of your, sinful tendencies, I guess, yeah. will will definitely help in the times of doubt. And I mean, that's a good practical thing. Instead of just saying, go to the Bible, really mm-hmm. kind of just meditate and, and understand, okay, where are my shortcomings yeah. and where could this lead me if I'm not careful? Yeah. Well, like part of the key to that too is just having folks around you as accountability and yeah. encouragement as they and help making sure they're aware that you're going into an environment yeah. that's so a challenge it. for you. Like yeah. with college students, we mm-hmm. know already they're going into an environment where they're going to face opposition yeah. of their faith. And so right. the best thing that we can do is provide Christian community and provide means by which they can have some of those questions answered as, right. as these faculty members bring these things up or yeah. Or uh, make statements from the front of the class that are contrary to what we believe about who God is. Uh, And the other thing I'd say, too, is just that uh, even if you're not in the midst of one of these dark seasons of doubt right now, uh, one of your greatest tools that you're going to have to help combat that, not if, but when (laughs) those things come, is something you can begin building on now. And part of that is what we just talked on, reading the Word and and knowing Mm -hmm. the Scriptures well. But another part of it I mentioned a little while ago is journaling. Uh, Journaling right now in the seasons where God is doing some things that are very evident in your life, journaling and writing those things down. Because there's a reason the Bible calls us sheep. Yeah. We are forgetful. Sheep are not smart animals. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so it, it's best that we write those things down. And we see this all through the Old Testament where they built these altars of remembrance all through. Yeah. And then God tells them, hey, celebrate the Passover. And, you know, so that they remember yeah. what he did in Egypt and how he delivered them out because yeah. they tend to forget. And, yeah. uh, and so that's, that's, for me, one of the biggest pieces of advice I can say to help with your doubts of not just today, but tomorrow. Mm-hmm is, man, really record the things that God's doing in your life so yeah. you can refer back to them in those dark moments. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, it really does go back to the basics. I had a life group leader call me about three months ago, four months ago, and the, uh, a lot of the younger couples in his life group were asking questions about, you know, how do I live a vibrant life? How do I know God's will and all that kind of stuff? And I just said to the teacher, 
it goes back to the basics. You know, it really does. It really goes back to those simple basics. And what does a relationship look like with anybody spending time with them, with God? That's through prayer and through his word. And, you know, that word abide in scripture, it really just means an intimate walk with God and intimacy. And uh, there's an aspect of that that I think we've lost that within our culture of just uh, abiding in Christ, walking closely with Christ. And that's where the we're sensitive to the spirits uh, walking in that. And so as Christ followers, it's something for us to understand and and to embrace and to desire in our life that we need we need it. If I'll I had try a, not to dominate here, but just to add to that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that seeking God's face. When I first came to Christ, the guy who discipled me, um, an older gentleman named Warren Paris. Uh, it's actually Twyla Paris, a music artist's dad. Yeah. Oh. We talked about so, Twyla Paris last this week. This is cool. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, she lives like 15 minutes from here. Um, so anyhow, there, <laughs> you can't just drop that on yeah, us. Give us her address. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're friends and, uh, and her family are very like, they've been like family to me for the last 20 wow. years. They That's kind cool. of adopted me, uh, cause I didn't come from a Christian family. And so when I arrived at that missions training school, her dad took me under his wing and began pouring into me. That's but cool. one of the things he said, and, and I've repeated this to many, many young people since then, uh, is I see a lot of young people, and I myself was in this boat, where they're dealing with doubts about what God's will is for their life and what direction he's calling them to. And, uh, and as a result of those things, are working themselves up to a point of anxiousness, which is starting to get into sin now because you're, <laughs> you're at this place of doing something the Bible says not to do. And, um, and so one day, Warren set me down and he said, Chris, uh, in the first phrase of it, you're gonna, you got, it'll take you guys back at least, it's stop seeking God's will. And I just looked at him like, Okay, <laughs> and uh, and he says, just seek his face. Yeah, God's will is in his face. The more you seek God's face and just seek to know Him, the more His will becomes evident to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've seen that play out not only in, yeah. with my relationship with God, but I'll use my spouse as an example. Uh, so I in the how I grew up, I didn't grow up with a lot of social norms mm-hmm. like privacy, for instance. So you grew up <laughs> in homeless shelters, yeah. or you grew up in communal living barracks. Yeah you know, missions, housing, uh, universities, things like that. You just don't learn a lot of those norms. And mm-hmm. so I became a pastor, uh, and uh, I would say things at times from the pulpit that uh, I probably shouldn't have shared from the pulpit, uh, <laughs> dealing with my, my marriage or my home mm-hmm. life or whatever. I've been guilty of that, too. Yes. And <laughs> many a pastor have. So I mean, we started the podcast off yeah. with an inappropriate talk, too. Yeah, so. you wanting me to ruin my shirt. So. Yeah. But all that to say, like, I've spent enough time abiding with my wife yeah. that I can see my wife's face from across the sanctuary and know it's going to be a long ride home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, because I've spent time with her. And, yeah. and these days, I deal with doubt less than I used to, and I have to pray and fast over certain decisions less than I used to, not because I've become less spiritual, but because I've abided with Jesus long yeah. enough that I know his face, yeah. and I know whether to go right or left on some of those decisions easier yeah. than I did 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But that's part of where doubts and uh, at times anxiety and those things have worked out in my faith, this thing called progressive sanctification, but have worked out in my life this dependency and this understanding uh, that has led to less doubt. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I mean, this might be a a long topic to dive into near the end of our podcast, but it might be a good segue into our discussion on deconstructionism. How do you deal with doubts on foundational beliefs of Christianity, like doubting Bible authority of scripture? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say doubting, doubting the inerrancy of scripture, doubting uh, why we go to church, doubting those things. How do you 
how do you not necessarily combat it, but how do you talk to people that are dealing with those things? Yeah, that's a real world question yeah. right there. And I know that, you know, you've shared a little bit with us that you're dealing with that with someone you care about. For one, I think you need to separate out the essentials and those secondary things. I think as Christians and sometimes as pastors, we do a disservice to people when we kind of bunch them all up. And then they go off to college and they realize, man, there's a whole lot of people, good people, Christians, even, you know, in, in our camp, a conservative church that see things a little bit different. And if mm-hmm. they were told that these lower tier things are up here and that begins to fall, I think we're setting up young people for for failure and to really question everything when we do that. So I think we do need to clearly define as believers and as leaders, as teachers, what are those essential things? You know, what is it essential to being a Christ follower? The closed hand things versus the open hand things is the way I've heard it over the years. Yeah. What what are those closed hand issues and non-negotiables that uh, deal with salvation and deal with who God is versus the open hand things. Uh, you get into, you know, apocalyptic literature and end time stuff, eschatology, right. a whole huge spectrum within the Christian yeah, faith as right. to what people believe. And so I think you're dead on there. If you tie all those things together, someone brings up a statement that brings doubt into one of those open hand things that God intentionally left vague for right. a reason. Yeah. And now they're, they're, they're debating the entire package rather than just this one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so we have to be really careful in that. Um, the, the other th- part of that obviously is, Hey, you know, going to leaders you respect and asking, Hey, why is it that you believe this thing or whatever? Yeah. And, uh, and guys, there's a ton of resources out there now. I mean, yeah. you got guys that have written so much on authority of scripture and, yeah. uh, that we've got more than any point in human history, we have more information in front of us now and more evidence for reliability of Scripture than we've ever had. Yeah. And yeah. yet, in our common culture, we see, yeah. like you started out saying, this this deconstructionism thing that is really coming up right. in, in our culture. Yeah, yeah. David, I would also say um, to anybody that has, you know, whether it's a child, a friend, a sibling, a coworker that's truly dealing and doubting with some of those upper tier things. They're questioning aspects of what it means to be a Christ follower of the deity. Christ, you know, would be a big one. You know, the Trinity would be one of them. Um, and scripture, you know, um, uh, is, is one of those as well. I would say be patient with them first. Don't, um, um, hear them out, let them share those things. Sometimes just being able to unpack that and feeling like it's a safe place to do it is important. I know, you know, you, I think about this as a parent for a child. Sean McDowell gives a great example of that with his dad, where he went to his dad really nervous because he had read some blogs that were totally picking apart his dad's book. <laughs> and uh, and at that time, he couldn't decipher who was right and who was wrong, but it really kind of shook his faith. And he went to his dad and just said, Dad, um, I don't I don't necessarily know if I believe in any of it. And I don't know. I don't think I'm a Christian. And his dad, the response was almost shocking to him. It's like, that's that's good. okay." And he's like, well, what are you talking about? He goes, he goes, you can't just take on my faith forever. You've got to make it your own. And if you're wrestling with it, there's nothing I could ask more than than you doing that. So that person. If they're wrestling with it, that celebrate that with them. Like, man, I'm glad you care enough to wrestle with mm-hmm. that. 
and and it, try to find a way to affirm that person instead of either demonizing them or putting separation between you and then see how willing they are to talk about it. Sometimes I'll talk with someone and they'll just try to shut me down. I'm like, well, it looks like you've already made up your mind on that. I think that there are some great reasons why not to go down that road. Um, and if you ever want to hear them, I, you know, I can share those with you, but sometimes mm -hmm. they just want to, so you really just, it's not an art. I mean, it is an art, it's not a science, yeah. but you do have to point them back to scripture, which means you really need to, kind of know that topic well enough to point to him and say, this is why uh, for generations, for centuries, the churches believe this. And it's going to have to be a whole lot for me uh, to see, to be able to back away from those things. Because, man, people have been trying to pick apart the Bible since it, you know, its existence, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's been weathered by, you know, some very smart people, you know. And I think that's a good point. Like, our goal is to be there for people and to help them where they need, but our job isn't to save them or we, to, yeah, cause we can't, like we can't, we don't have the power to do that. Only the, the Holy spirit can come and and God mm -hmm. allows that to happen. And we don't have, we can't make someone else's faith for them. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's reassuring, but also it, it, for, for those that are dealing with it, it's hard because like, <laughs> for people that are just lost that don't want to talk about it, especially in our culture today, there's just, if someone has an opposing opinion or belief, it's easily right off. Like can write you off. Like we're not yeah. going to have an honest conversation about things. Mm -hmm. So it makes it really hard just to say that. And maybe having that radical stance of like, well, that's good that you're struggling with it. Not necessarily like, okay, well, I'm not going to talk to you then. Yeah. I'll tell you as a collegiate minister over the years, a student asking the right questions of doubt was a good sign to me. Mm -hmm. I would see that and go, all right, that yeah. one's sharp. He's thinking through things. Yeah. He's asking the right questions. He doesn't know how to get to the answers in those yet, but at least he's asking the right. question. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was a good thing. Now, I would say this, too, whether it's dealing with unbelievers, uh, mm -hmm. ironically, when you deal with apologetics, part of your uh, role is sowing seeds of doubt in other worldviews. Right. You want them to doubt their worldview to a yeah. point where they'll begin to question, well, maybe what I believe isn't wrong. Yeah. And I should look at this Christianity thing. Um, but whether you're doing it with non-believers in that respect or you're with a Christian uh, mm -hmm. who is dealing with doubt or even disagrees with you on some one of these, what you mm -hmm. perceive as core biblical issues, uh, we really have to to make sure that our motivation is that of love to begin mm -hmm. with. Yeah. Uh, the scripture says, and this is how you'll be known as my disciples, not by you all agreeing on these same theological statements of right. fact, yeah. but by your love for one another. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a word that in our culture gets thrown around a lot. Uh, the definition that I was taught early on in my faith for love, you take, take the totality of everything the scripture has to say about love and try to squeeze it into a man-made definition. Mm -hmm. Love is choosing the highest good or best for God and others. Mm -hmm. And so it's a choice. And it's not about you and it's not emotional. It's a choice. Yeah. I'm going to choose the highest good or best for them. Yeah. Is it best for me to just to respond in an adversarial light when they're dealing with doubt? Of course not. Is it mm -hmm. best for me to uh, discourage or tamper down their doubts in some way? Uh, right. you know, of course right. not. Right. Uh, we're going to address those things. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to choose what's best for you in this, which comes back to what you said, starting with patience. Yeah. 
we got to be patient with them. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we just mentioned two of the fruit parts of the fruit of the spirit right there. So, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. which is go. really where it comes back to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I don't know if this is necessarily right. This may go along with my personality. I tend to, sometimes we try to go for the short game as in like, I've got this opportunity. I got to give everything in one, you know, just in one spot. And you know what? If you, if God's leading you that way, listen to God. Don't listen to my advice. But I tend to play the long game that this isn't the only conversation this person is going to have. This may be one of many, and I'm going to do the best that I can, and I'm going to judge the situation, and hopefully God will lead me in that. And this is kind of going into the advice when you're dealing with others in a class or a friend or whatever. Um, but uh, I'm always just trying to at least get them a step or two closer. And sometimes it just demystifying what they think is a typical Christian Mm -hmm. who's very close-minded, who's very judgmental, and who uh, is going to say at some point in time or another in that conversation, well, you're going to hell. And uh, and my job or my goal in there is to, one, listen well and to hear what they're really saying and uh, and to answer those questions and just to be relaxed and and to do my best. But God's going to be the one doing the work. I'm not going to get hyped up about it. I'm going to try my best to... Mm -hmm. To meet their needs and to answer their questions. And sometimes what they're asking uh, has nothing to do with where their struggle is. You know, sometimes doubts really do come from sin. A lot of times it does. Whenever I'm struggling in my life and there are doubts creeping in, sometimes I have to look at my heart and be like, where have I been in this area of my life? Am I, have I been driven to God's word? Am I walking? Am I abiding in him right now? Is there something that I'm withholding? Is there anger in my heart? Am I withholding something from a, a friendship with someone else? Maybe we're, we haven't forgiven one another. There's lots of different things. And so I began to analyze my own heart and more than likely, and a lot of, a lot of times people are trying to protect a hurt, a pain, uh, something else going on. And, Sometimes unbelief is just an excuse. Yeah, comes back to that statement from earlier: focus on the root, not the fruit. Yeah, because that's those are all root issues. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how many people skills. have an intellectual argument, but it's really an emotional issue for them. I can yeah. think of two or three people right now in my life, and it, it's easy for me to see because I'm a little bit older and they're younger. But it's a uh, it, they're there's well, an emotional issue. Well, bounce off what you said about. You being just one link in this chain, essentially one conversation and the, mm-hmm. the journey that's going to lead them to Christ or in their walk with Christ. Um, we tend to we live in a microwave society. Yeah. You know, we're used to we want quick results. We want to dump on them quick and, and have them make a decision right then or in our own faith as we're struggling with doubt and things. We want God just to put this silver bullet thing in there that, that yeah. just solves it all. Yeah. Let me tell you. I have a lot of intellectual silver bullet type things in my mind. It still doesn't change the emotional issues and the doubts that creep in at times. Uh, But we're this microwave society that wants quick results. Mm -hmm. Um, God, if you look through the scriptures, is a marinator, not a microwaver. You you put steak Mm -hmm. in a microwave and see how that sucker turns out. It's gross. Got that gray stuff on it, you know, that bubbles up. It's (laughs) disgusting in a microwave. (laughs) Wait, you've tried this? Is that from experience? (laughs) I tried to reheat one once that didn't go so well. But you take that same steak and you you marinate it, and Mm -hmm. over time you cook it slow, and the results are much better. And Mm -hmm. and that's more how God works in our lives. He's more of a marinator than a microwave. Yeah. 
whatever. And this doubt that you're dealing with in this moment, it may be him trying to marinate something new into your life that you're just not perceiving as of yet. It all comes back to, and this is where I think that line between doubt going to sin comes in, is how do we respond when we doubt? Do we turn towards Christ? Do we turn towards God and begin to meditate on his law day and night? Or do we turn away? Yeah, that's good. That's, that's great. It's kind of like that passage that, you know, worldly sorrow that leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, excuse me, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Better get those right. Mm-hmm. Versus worldly sorrow, which leads mm-hmm. to death. And, uh, and the same works with doubt, I think, in a lot yeah, of ways. That's good. Good way to kind of end, end this time. I uh, want to thank you guys for listening. Did you have something to say, Allie? Wait, let me just. Oh, hold on. Let's, I Allie just going to pop in and say, I need to confess. <laughs> and. I feel like there might be some other listeners out there. So maybe just a word of encouragement. But sometimes when I know that someone around me is going through doubt, I I turn an eye and I run the other way because mm-hmm. that is an investment of time. And it's it's hard to walk through those things with people sometimes. And so I even feel convicted just for when I have not been a good mentor or a good friend in those situations. Mm-hmm. So, But I also feel like that might be a natural response sometimes is, it is hard to walk through someone going through something like that. And especially if it's these big, deep conversations, because then almost in the same sense, we question ourselves and say, well, why do I believe this so that I can walk through this with them? Mm-hmm. And then you're scared maybe of what the outcome is. Maybe like what you were saying, Alan, you uncover something and now you've shot a tiny little hole through what you thought you believed. But in the end, what comes out hopefully is that you've both grown yeah. in your um, relationship with Christ and in your understanding um, just of all, all that he does for us and all of who he is. And so, um, just encouragement and conviction at the same time, but, um, the investment is worth it in the end. And to think back on those people who have invested in me when, you know, even just in a normal perspective, when I raised my hand in math class, my teacher took her time to answer my question. And now I know on the other side of it, I've forgotten it at this point, but I know the answer now. So when somebody does ask the question, it's worth the investment, whatever time it takes. Yeah, I think. that's good. And that's good. Doubt is such a deep conversation and mm-hmm. something that it's, is we could talk for hours on because it leads down all these other things that we want to talk about later on in this series about yeah. deconstructing of, of just things that we do as a religion. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And... I mean, we probably didn't get to all the topics that we probably want to talk about, but yeah. hopefully we can talk about them in in following weeks. Yeah. Um, so yeah. if we're listening or watching this and you're like, you didn't talk about this, you're like, okay, well, you're right. tell us and we will try to, yeah. to talk yeah. about it. I'm sure we won't cover everything, but yeah. if you're listening today and you're struggling, uh, the biggest thing I'm hearing is don't run from it. Embrace it. That's a part of the Christian faith and let that drive you. Uh, to answers, and of course, our encouragement is that you do uh, look for those answer uh, those answers in God's word. God's word. Look for godly people in your life. You know, uh, yeah, we always c- can think that we find something that uh, may trip us up spiritually, but it's you know God's word, Jesus. Th- those things have been wrestled with for a long time, and there are a lot of really good answers out there. So, so let it drive you into a deeper faith. Um, and just realize this may be a part of that journey uh, for you as well. And so, and then if you're doubting, doubt your doubts. You know what I mean? It's like we always assume that uh, we've got to doubt uh, what we've brought up, but uh, don't just uh, assume that the doubts that are creeping in your mind are always right either. More, matter of fact, they probably aren't. But we hope you enjoy <laughs> Most of the today. Time they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
yeah, uh, go to someone uh, for encouragement. Let other people know if you're struggling. And then if you're a teacher out there, a leader, then those moments, take advantage of that. Be careful. You know, uh, sometimes you're dealing with someone who's in a fragile moment. And so don't make don't take that too lightly and ignore it. Um, don't chastise them as well, but just enter into uh, their life and take that journey with them. Be patient and, uh, and point them in the right direction the best way that you can. So thank you guys for joining us. Next week, we will be talking about deconstruction. That's a big topic. We don't know if this is going to be a one-week thing, a two-week thing. We, we want to make sure and cover this well. We know that some of you are out there listening and you're curious how we're going to be uh, handling this. We know that because we've already been talking with you. So we're, we're praying through that and praying that God will use that as well. But um, thank you guys for joining us and we'll see you next week. 